To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. Because history has shown us that courage can be contagious, and hope can take on a life of its own. I will bring you hope. And I ask only one thing in return. We move now, together. Not at all. Hope is not lost today. It is found. Hope is what keeps you going. Even if the whole world is telling you to move, it's your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say no. You move. Morning. Welcome to episode three of the SF in Translation podcast. I'm your winter-weary host, Rachel Cordasco. This episode will include news and updates from February 25th through March 24th. March certainly made up for February's failings. A lot of great stuff came out last month, so there's much to tell you. Also, and this is even more exciting, The second half of this episode will be dedicated to my interview with the always wonderful Ken Liu. Definitely stick around through my yakking. I'll just be 10 to 15 minutes, I promise. Okay, let's start with the books. We got Typescript of the Second Origin, a work of Catalan SF in translation, as well as the mind-twistingly weird Sisyphean which is Japanese SFT. See my discussion of it in episode two of this podcast. The collected stories of Polish author Bruno Schultz and the Indonesian SFT short story collection, Apple and Knife. Remember, all of this will be in the show notes, so you won't have to try to memorize all these titles and authors. Of course, you know that I read Sisyphean, and I have TypeScript sitting on my SFT shelf. Yes, I have an SFT shelf. Actually, it's two shelves. Looking forward to reading that one soon. And now on to short fiction. As always, Clark's World has a great piece of Chinese SFT. This time by Hu Xinyu, translated by Blake Stonebanks. It's called Farewell Adam and concerns a pop star who is connected to and uses the consciousnesses of 100 people who together figure out how to best sustain his popularity among his followers and fans. It's like crowdsourcing, but with connected brains. The story flips back and forth between Adam and one of his controlling consciousnesses. The story is compelling because of its original take on modern meanings of popularity and its connection to technology, and kind of makes sense as to the potential future of celebrity and celebrity connection to technology. It's definitely worth a read or a listen. The magazine of fantasy and science fiction brought us a story by Shei Hui, translated by Brian Bees, called Deep Sea Fish, about the exploration of non-human archaeological ruins on Titan, Saturn's largest moon, You can find more stories by her in Apex Magazine from January and Clark's World from February 2017 and October 2016. And a rare work of Yiddish SFT is out in the wonderful Samovar Magazine. It's called Geyendik or Walking by Der Nister, translated by Joseph Tamaras. 
Because so many people do read and love SFT, we've been getting some great reviews recently. Strange Horizons has a review of the Swedish novel Amatka and the Jordanian novel Heaven on Earth, and Amy Landtrip reviewed The Invisible Valley in World Lit Today. My reviews on sfntranslation.com include pieces on Stanislaw Lem's Memoirs Found in a Bathtub and Dempo Torishima's Sisyphean. And you might know if you've been looking at my site that I am trying to read everything that Stanislaw Lem wrote that's been translated into English. So far, I have read, I think, about four of his books, and I post my reviews on a separate page, um, also on my review page, but on a separate page that lists all of Stanislaw Lem's work in chronological order. So check that out if you're a Lem fan, which I know some of you are. Okay, now to future books. You might have seen on Twitter or Facebook that Bill Campbell of Rosarium Publishing is editing a new two-volume collection of speculative fiction from around the world. It's called Sunspot Jungle, and you can check out the Kickstarter page. See the link in the show notes. Also, I just found out, as in today, right before recording, that a work of Icelandic fantasy is coming out by, and I know I'm going to mess up this name, but I'm just going to give it a try, Alexander Don Wilhelmsen, translated by the author, and it will be coming out from Galantz in 2019. So that's something to look forward to. I don't know about much Icelandic SFT, so if you do, please send along some titles so that we can fill that list out a little bit. You'll also want to check out a couple of fascinating articles that came out this month. Uh, specifically on SFT by Jewish writers, one by Marat Grinberg on the Strugatskis in Mosaic magazine. It's called The Daring Strugatsky Brothers, Practitioners of Outwardly Soviet, Covertly Jewish Science Fiction, and another by Michael Weingrad on recent Israeli SF in the Jewish Review of Books. His article is called Out-of-Body Experiences, Recent Israeli Science Fiction and Fantasy. This article alerted me to a book that just came out called The Coincidence Makers by Yoav Bloom. It just came out March 6th, and it sounds very interesting about people who make coincidences happen. Definitely something I want to check out. And a quick note. Uh, you must love SF and Translation to be listening to this podcast at all, I assume. So let's get it in as many faces as we can by posting photos of SFT on our shelves, in stores, etc., and using the SF and Translation hashtag whenever we talk about it online. I've been having a lot of good chuckles recently as I've seen people around the internet suddenly scratching their heads and wondering aloud, where all of this SF and translation talk is coming from. It seemed to come out of nowhere. So let's keep it going. Keep people interested in SFT and finding out more about some of the great stuff that's out there. Okay, here is a quick Rachel's Corner. I am currently reading Contact, an anthology of Croatian SF, edited by Darko Makan and Tatiana Jambrzak, 
and published as an ebook by Wizards Tower Press. This anthology includes some compelling, brilliant stories around such themes as zombie enslavement and the potentially humorous consequences of time travel. It's making me want to see more Croatian SF in English. I have to say, these stories are not only award-winning in Croatia or just brilliant works, but they're so different. There's one that is a story about a river fairy. Like I said, there's one about zombies that are enslaved. There's another one, one about a woman who sleeps with an alien and gives birth to some sort of spider-looking thing. Anyway, you'll definitely want to check it out. This was originally put together for a convention in Zagreb, and we're really lucky that Cheryl Morgan and Wizards Tower Press put it together as an ebook so we could all enjoy it. So check it out. And speaking of translating, I've been doing a billion other things. So unfortunately, I haven't had time to work on a Nicoletta Valerani story, but hopefully I can return to it very soon. Okay, that is all for this month. Remember to send me any and all SFT-related news and links via Facebook, Twitter, or email, which is rachel at sfintranslation.com. Happy reading, and now, here's my interview with Ken Liu. Very honored to have as my very first guest on the SF in Translation podcast, Ken Liu. Ken Liu is an author of speculative fiction as well as a translator, lawyer, and programmer, a winner of the Nebula, Hugo, and World Fantasy Awards. He is the author of The Dandelion Dynasty, a silk punk epic fantasy series, including The Grace of Kings, The Wall of Storms, and a forthcoming third volume and The Paper Menagerie and Other Stories, a collection from 2016. He also wrote the Star Wars novel, The Legends of Luke Skywalker. In addition to his original fiction, Ken also translated numerous works from Chinese to English, including The Three-Body Problem by Lu Xixing and Folding Beijing by Hao Jingfang, both Hugo winners. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thanks for having me, Rachel. So... First, I wanted to ask you about your upcoming translation publications. What great stuff do we have to look forward to? Uh, well, the, probably the biggest things um, we can look forward to um, are not coming out this year. Um, I should have um, another collection of translated short fiction from China, um, which is a follow-up to my first anthology called Invincible Planets. And the Second volume is going to be called Broken Stars, and that's coming out. Um, and also next year, um, coming out from Tori is uh, Stanley Chen's novel uh, The Waste Tide, um, and uh, I was the translator for that one as well. So um, that's something that I think a lot of um, uh, uh, folks who are familiar with Chinese science fiction, uh, or, um, Stanley Chen, um, that's his English name, you know, his Chinese name is, uh, Chen Chiu Fan. And he's 
been translated uh, quite a lot, and I think Rachel, you've read quite a few of his stories, um, and they're been in. Uh, some of them are collected in Broken Stars and also in Invisible Planet. And in fact, uh, one of Sam's stories is Caldrogo um, Gem. Uh, it's the first story ever were translated. Um, so uh, his debut novel is going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, you know, I, I really was kind of surprised when um, a couple of years ago when I was, I guess it was, a, I don't know, time for me is, I'm getting confused about years, but um, when I first started reading your translations, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what year it is. Uh, when I first started reading your translations of his stories, I was really surprised um, that I, I, for some reason, I just thought that he already, that he had a novel out in translation. Um, and, uh, but then I, I think I was talking to you or I saw somewhere that the waste tide was in the works. So I've been really excited. I love his stories, um, in invisible planets and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to a full-length novel. Does he have, like, a lot of novels? Um, so, Stan is mostly a short fiction writer. He's done many, many short stories. Um, he, he has written a couple of novels, um, but uh, The Waste Tide is, is probably the most famous one. Um, you can actually get a sense of the setting of, of the novel um, from one of the short stories in Invisible Planets called The Flower of Shazay. Um That one... Universe as um, um, as um, the wayside. Um, although now that we mentioned it, I'm not sure I actually do have that in the table of content on uh, Invisible Planet. So if if that's not right, you might have to edit this section out. But but if um, if if I am right, um, you can <laughs> from that story. Awesome. That's great. So I mean. I mean, this comes right. This goes right into my next question for you, which is, what kind of balance have you struck between your own writing and your translation work? So, do you do the two like simultaneously, or do you focus on one, like translating for a few months, and then you switch back to your own writing? Um, what's your strategy? Um. I, I don't honestly have a very thought out strategy. I mean, the, the the fact is, I'm uh, I'm primarily an author, and uh, most of my effort is devoted to writing fiction. Um, the translation I mostly view as a kind of um, uh, service, you know, I do for for the community. Uh, I think there's a lot of really wonderful science fiction being published around the world, uh, and it would be great if um, we can get more of it here in the Anglophone world. So. Um, you know, when I when I have time, I can uh, uh, try to um, translate some of the stories that I think are particularly interesting, uh, or that I particularly like, or that have become an important part of the conversation in some way. Um, and then so I I bring some of these novels and uh, short stories over into English. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are doing translations now. So um, the fact that you know I I don't have as much time, as much time to to do it as I used to um, is not. Uh, a, a, a big problem, um, uh, but basically, I, I try to do the translation when I actually can find some time, uh, which is increasingly difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that um, you uh, you've been mentoring other translators, especially with Clark's World stories. 
or stories that have been coming uh, being published in Clark's World? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, as you know, Clark's World has uh, uh, a partnership with Storycom, uh, this media company in China, to uh, make translated Chinese science fiction a regular part uh, of the magazine. Uh, and I, I think Clark's World also has plans to expand that project over time um, to include uh, perhaps other languages as well. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's provided a very good platform, uh, both Storycom and Clark's World, you know, to allow me to work with other translators so that, um, you know, more people who are interested in, translate, in doing translation can get a chance to, to practice their art. Um, and I, I have a chance to sort of share my what I've learned about translation and what works well, what doesn't, uh, with other translators. So it's been a very good opportunity. Yeah, I, I think that's great because I've seen, too, I've been trying to gather a group of Italian translators, who some of whom may or may not be focusing on, on genre um, fiction and, you know, saying, hey, you know, why don't you use your talents and do some... Uh, bring some science fiction uh, into English, and some of them have, have said, that's, yeah, I never thought of that. You know, then when I get people, you know, saying, hey, uh, I know of anyone to translate this, you know, you can draw on, like, a network of people that you know, you know, who who can do that. But, yeah, I, I think Clark's World's, uh, Clark's World's publication of, of stories um, each month has been great. It's I mean, it's three years now, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, the uh, you know, just to, uh, going off what you said, uh, one of the great difficulties with um, bringing translated science fiction into uh, English is that um, translation, especially literary translation and genre literary translation, tends to be a fairly specialized skill, um, and unfortunately, it's not a skill that um, even though it's a it's a skill that requires a lot of work to develop and, and not a lot of people have it, um, it's not a skill that commands much money in the market. Um, professional translators tend to make a lot more money focusing on specialized technical fields such as legal translation um, or medical translation. So uh, a lot of professional translators, um, you know, don't tend to 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 develop skill in this area. Um, and even if they do literary translation, uh, a lot of translators, uh, you know, don't particularly pay attention to genre work, uh, mainly because if translations are done, mainstream works tend to get a lot more attention. Uh, and and translate literary translation doesn't pay much as it is uh, compared to technical fields. Genre translation is even you know less of a of a market. So. Um, Given the limit, limited translation budgets and the fact that there's just a very small pool of people who are interested in doing it, um, what's necessary is to, you know, find a platform to, to develop the skill um, and, and qualify translators. Uh, part of the problem in the, in the past, before Clark's World provided this platform with Storycom, is that a lot of times translations happen uh, out of sort of the community spiritedness of, of writers who happen to also be able to translate like myself. Um, so a lot of my early translations were done um, really without, without you know, a way to find payment. 
Um, and that kind of thing is not sustainable. You, you can do it for the love only for so long. Um, and, uh, you know, but without uh, an actual source of financial income, it's just not sustainable. Um, and uh, it's also, it, it also tends to be the sort of thing that devalues translation as a, as a skill. So I, I try to avoid doing that. You know, when I, when I had to do it that way, it, it was necessary because without doing that way, none of these stories would have been published in English. But um, the, the fact that StoryCom and Clarice World, you know, have now provided an actual paying platform for, for translations is great. And so a lot of translators who are interested in doing this work now have a have a, an actual um, place to learn and apply their art and develop their art. Um, so that's that's one of the great, really great things that's changed in the in the field um, as a result of the partnership. Yeah, and I think that that has probably influenced. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't know uh, exactly, but I you know I've seen recently um, more. Uh, Chinese SF and translation in places like Apex. And, um, of course, uh, Folding Beijing was in, uh, Uncanny, right? First? Right. And, and I, 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 I believe Asimov's also published a few translations, uh, by Zhang Chu, um, and, and others. And, uh, of course, um, uh, FNSF, uh, has also published translations. So, you know, a lot of magazines are now, um, uh, work as as as, uh, as um, uh, venues in which translations are known to be welcome. So it's great to to see that. Yeah, and speaking of all of these stories, um, I mean, there's so many great ones. But I was wondering which Chinese SF in translation, either translated by you or by someone else, um, which stories have been your favorite recently over the past year? Um, any that that come to mind? Um, you know, that's actually kind of hard to, um, hard to say mainly because it, it, it's funny, but in my head, a lot of these stories are sort of, um, I, I, I don't actually remember which ones are translated because I, I read a lot of these stories in Chinese. So I no longer remember which ones are translated, which ones have not. Um, and sometimes I can't even remember if I read one in translation or not. Um, but I, I, I will say that, um, um, Asimov's, I think, just published uh, one of Liu Cixin's short stories, and that was uh, really, really uh, fantastic. Um, I believe that one was done by Zhang Chu. I could be wrong, but but uh, I, I think um, if you're interested, look up either the the last issue or the issue before that for Asimov's, and there's a, there's a really great Liu Cixin story in there that I thought was really cool. I feel like I saw that, and then it just you know, I try to capture every single one, but <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see that one. Yeah, and um, the 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 heaven moving way, which just came out in January in Apex. Yeah, I found that one really fascinating. That was, I, you know, that that's kind of like the hard SF that. Um, that I just know, like from the very beginning of the story, I'm like, I'm gonna like this. <laughs> so you 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 like the um, you you're a fan of the hard SF kind of uh, aesthetic in some of these stories, then? Yeah, I love um, and you know I love also the um, Bao Shu, uh, the lighthouse girl. Um, 
you know, these kinds of stories. Yeah, that was really interesting too. It's fascinating. I just, I love when they use, yeah, when, I mean, the incorporation of, of technology, of science, scientific approaches. Um, I mean, I know I, I didn't really pay attention in my science classes, but I'm interested in it. It just wasn't presented to me in a way that, that kind of caught my attention when I was in school. So when I hear, when I learn about, you know, theories of the cosmos or, you know, strange, you know, species and they're woven, <laughs> you know, like what? They're woven in, you know, to these stories that are just, I love that. And I feel, I don't, I don't get enough of that, you know, so when I, when I read those, I really feel kind of a connection, even though I don't understand half of the, like, I mean, the, the three body trilogy, I, you know, I'm reading this going, wow, this is cool. I don't understand 90% of the, you know, the math or the science, but this is so fascinating. Oh, that one is so, yeah, that whole series was so full of, um, ideas, you know, everywhere, especially in the, in the later books, you know, where, where, uh, he was just playing with so many ideas on every page. It's, it's just so dense. It was really cool. I know. I was saying to my husband, oh, my God, like 10 dimensions. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what this is all about, but it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. And Bao Shu uh, also is um, really interesting that way because his background is in philosophy. So a lot of his stories tend to go for these mind-bending ideas about time, about you know what it means to 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 have time flow in a different direction, uh, in multiple directions. It, it's um, a lot of uh, Bao Shu's stories are particularly interesting because of what he does with time um, and these very philosophical concepts. I can't get enough of that. More people need to write that. I love that stuff. <laughs> that's that's some of my favorite. Yeah, it's it's great that that we're getting so many more of these stories. And sometimes I get a little pushy <laughs> on Twitter, where I'm always like, "Hey, read this, read this story, read this." You know, I, I think people are still they they just don't know what how much great stuff is out there translated. You know, from Chinese or from a lot of other languages, and uh, so I'm trying to push it onto people. <laughs> it's true. I mean, there are, there are so many great Russian stories in translation too. Um, you know, um, Alex Schwartzman and uh, Anatoly Velovsky have done uh, a great job of bringing some of these Russian stories into English too. Um, and uh, you know, I think I think we're getting to the point where we should be able to have a pretty strong anthology of um of russian uh science fiction stories in translation too not not you know from the old days but contemporary russian sci-fi i think there's a lot of really wonderful stories being uh, being written in russian um and you know your project with italian uh, i can't wait to see the results because I, I i know a couple of italian writers and i've seen some of their work um yeah there's a lot of really interesting stuff being done i really do appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about this and i'm really really looking forward to your new collection and stanley chan's novel and i'm just really excited this is this is going to be great times yeah i'm i'm excited i can't wait to um to see um the the new stories come out and um you know thank you so much for all your help uh all these years 
uh, it's it's been great to have your feedback. Oh, I love reading them. I mean, you you I you did see the um, the Three Body X, right? The one that Bashu wrote. Um, oh yes. Yeah. So you know, you know, with all the ten dimensions and all the stuff, that that one is going to be so much fun, uh, and that should be coming out soon, I think. Um, at least maybe I, I'm, I'm hoping later this year. Um, so we'll see. Um, that one should generate a little buzz as well. Well, I need to find a place to hide so I can read all of these without three kids, you know, tugging at me and uh, demanding yeah. attention. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Rachel. Thank you for listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can find us at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at our email at skiffyandfanty at gmail.com, on Twitter at skiffyandfanty, and on Facebook at the Skiffy and Fanty Show. Our intro and outro music comes from Dimension by Creo. You can find out more about them at freemusicarchive.org.